Good morning, church. Good morning. It's so good to be together. If you're here in the room, if you're online, just so thankful we can come and this Sunday set our minds and our hearts on Jesus. You know, we need God more than ever before in everything that's happened in our country and happening in our world. And I'm just so thankful that you're joining in today as we focus on Christ and Christ Jesus alone. He alone is worthy of our praise and our worship and our thoughts and our adoration. And so we come today to give him all the glory. You know, this COVID time is like, man, it's been tough. It's brought challenges uh, all across the board to all of us. And whether it's the pandemic of the illness or, or even the pandemic of the worry or the fear, uh, the isolation and all these things that we've been feeling. Uh, and so many things have been stripped away in this time. And things like sports, right? And many people are missing sports. I grew up playing sports. I, I love sports. And uh, my dad and I, we used to watch sports. I remember being a little kid and I had to go to bed at halftime of Monday night football and it was the worst thing ever, you know? And so I'm laying in bed, just trying, I can't get the score the next day. And it's like, what is going on? But, but I remember those things. That's how we bonded. And, and sports were just a big part of my life. And now that's not there, you know, or travel. And now we're doing everything by Zoom or all these events and concerts and these things that happen. But what COVID has also done is almost hit a reset button for a lot of us, right? And saying, what is important? Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? Where do I invest the energy that I have? Because where you spend your time and you spend your money and your energy shows you what you value. It shows you what the purpose of your life is. It shows you what you're investing in. And for a lot of people, it's kind of been a wake-up call to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, these things are great. I mean, sports is great. Travel is great. And these things are, are fun. But I don't want that to define me. I don't want that to be the purpose of my life. I don't want to get to the end of my days and look back and say, well, it's been about all these things. And I missed out on what my life was really about, and that is Jesus. And living my life for him and fulfilling the purpose that he has for my life in this world, in this time, in this season. And I want to be a man or a woman after God's heart. <laughs> I want to accomplish what God wants for me. And for all of us, I, I pray that this time has really brought some definition to that for us. What am I investing in? What am I living for? What is important to me? Am I living my life on purpose? Now, in this series, we're tracking with this guy in the New Testament named Saul. All right, this guy, Saul, man, he was living for success. I mean, honestly, right? We pick up with him in Acts 9. He was about 28 to 31 years old. I mean, he is, you know, late 20s, early 30s. He's a lawyer. He's successful. He's got money. He's got fame. He's religious, but he doesn't have Jesus. And if you look on the outside, man, he's got all the things that people would want back then. But on the inside, he's also filled with anger, with rage, with malice, with fear. And we see him persecuting the church. We see him as the church starts to grow and people are coming to know Jesus as the Messiah and giving their lives to him, this guy takes upon himself to persecute the church. And so he's there when Stephen becomes the first martyr of the church and Saul is there giving approval to it all. And then he starts breathing out murderous threats to churches all over. And this guy's on a mission and his anger is fueling him and this rage inside of him until Jesus meets him. And Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and changes his life forever. Jesus meets him and he's blinded and he falls back and for three days, he can't see anything, he doesn't eat anything and for three days, 
he's got to think about the direction of his life. For three days, he thinks, I've been investing over here. I've been putting all my money, my time to be successful, to create this image, and now I've been confronted with Jesus. Am I going to live my life for him? And after three days, the scales fall off of his eyes. Holy Spirit comes. He accepts Christ. He's baptized. And we see this transformation. We'll see it later on as Saul eventually becomes the Apostle Paul. (laughs) Writes over half the New Testament. Takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. God uses him in an incredible way. And he fulfills his purpose. God has a purpose for every one of us. Don't miss it. Let's live our life on purpose. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Oh, this is so good. So if you're in the room and you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back, or maybe you can uh, pull up your iPhone or whatever you got with you. And uh, if you're watching online, go ahead and find version online, and you can figure out what's happening there in Acts chapter 11. But we saw in Acts chapter 9, right? We left off. We've been in two weeks in Acts 9, seeing Saul and this transformation that happened in him. And then at the end of Acts 9 and Acts 10, it kind of reverts back to Peter. And it goes back to Peter, and Peter was one of the leaders of the early church. Peter, James, John, remember one of the disciples, Peter. I mean, this great guy. Well, God has to change Peter's heart too. So in the process of God transforming Saul over here, God has to give Peter some new vision. God's not finished with Peter's story. And and so Peter has this incredible thing happen, Acts chapter 10. If you go on demand and you watch the family ministry for the day with your preschool, your child, you know, they're talking Acts 10 today. And so this thing happens in Acts 10, and in the first part of 11, Peter comes back to the early church and has to explain it. Because what happens in Acts 10 is Peter is praying, and God gives him a vision. And this vision is this sheet comes down, and there's all these animals on there, and this voice says, hey, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 uh-uh. I'm a Jew. <laughs> I've been religious all my life. I am not going to eat something that's impure. And the voice says, don't call anything impure that I created. Don't call anything unclean that was created by me. And at that exact same moment, Peter's telling us in Acts 11 of the first part, he's talking to the church. He said, at that same moment, there's people knocking at the door, and they're from this guy Cornelius, who is a Roman centurion. This guy is a leader of the Roman legion. And man, he is bigwig, right? And he sends these guys because God's given him a vision. Come get this guy named Peter who's praying. And so they say, hey, will you come with us? And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I go over to this guy's Cornelius and I get to his house and I'm scared to step in because Peter goes, I'm a Jew. I've never been in a Gentile's home. And yet Cornelius is there and he says, I want you to tell my whole family about Jesus. I want to know Christ. So Peter says, I step in. Step into what God's doing. I'm seeing it happen right before my eyes. And the Holy Spirit comes, and everybody in the room accepts Christ, and they're telling everybody else, and I start baptizing people, baptizing people. Hey, the Gentiles came to know Jesus. And the church of Jerusalem was like, whoo, way to go. That's incredible. We didn't see that coming because we thought it was only for the Jews. God's doing something bigger. And now we go back to Saul. So pick up here in verse 19 of Acts 11. It says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word, and notice this, only among Jews. So the persecution comes against the church, 
right? And, and the church is on fire, and it's like stomping out a fire, right? If you're trying to stomp out a campfire or whatever else, you stomp it, and the embers go out. And so all of a sudden, everybody starts taking the gospel. Man, they're going to share Christ with their family, their extended family, their friends. And they go on, but they're only telling Jews. They're only telling Jews about Jesus. <laughs> Till verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks. Notice that. Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So they go to this town of Antioch. And Antioch's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. 300 miles north. Antioch back then was in Syria. Today it's in modern-day Turkey. But Antioch becomes this key city in the Bible right here. Antioch. And they go, and they start telling Greeks. They start saying, hey, guys, we got to tell you about Jesus. we got to tell you about the hope we found in Christ. We're not living in fear or anger or worry. There is Jesus. There is hope for the world. And these Greeks start responding. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. So it goes back to the church, and they're hearing about what's happening in Antioch, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So the church in Jerusalem is like, hey, we got to go check this thing out that's happening there in Antioch, make sure it's legit, right? And so they send this guy Barnabas. Now, I love Barnabas, okay? I mean, I picture Barnabas a little bit older, probably, you know, mid-30s, early 40s. But this guy is just a leader. He's involved in the church. You know, he's not one of the apostles, but he's a lay leader. He's just a man, part of like, hey, whatever needs to happen, put me in, coach. You know, I'm going to help out. He's the one, if you remember, when Saul became a Christ follower, he brought Saul and introduced him because all everybody else was afraid of him. This guy is a connector. Barnabas is a connector. And Barnabas goes to Antioch, and when he arrived, he saw the grace that God had done, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true in the Lord with all of their hearts. Barnabas' name literally means son of encouragement. Right? His name was Joseph. Remember the apostles changed his name to Barnabas, son of encouragement. So he gets up there, and he's like, this is incredible. I mean, the church is growing. Look at the church here in Antioch. And he encouraged them. And I love this description of Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Guys, that's my prayer for all of us. When people describe us, he was a good man or she was a good woman, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Man, they believed in what God was doing. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. They lived out their purpose. They lived it out. Well, during this time, during this time, right, this time, some of the people. Now, I want you to see this because if you skip over that verse right there where it says the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, we're going to come back to that in a minute. But during this time, there's one of the prophets that came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them named Agabus. And there's these other people that are living out Christ, these people who are sharing Christ, these people who are pointing others to the Lord. It wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just the church staff. It was everybody. And Agabus was this guy who was a prophet. And he stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread through the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. So he predicts this famine's going to come, and it happens. Historically, we know if you read Josephus, you go back and read, there was a big famine that took place. Well, the disciples in Antioch, as each of them was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did this, 
sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. All right, so you see this. It's unbelievable work. You know, Barnabas goes, he's taking the gospel. Barnabas is there serving Jesus, and God is using him even when times get hard, even when times get difficult. God is using his church to make an impact, to make a difference. Guys, I want you to see this today. So if you're taking notes, there's some verses I want you to see there that are so important for us. If you're taking notes today, write some of these things down as we live our life on purpose. First of all is this, God loves all people. God loves all people. This Acts 9 and 10, I mean, it is, it is powerful in this transformation that's taking place. In Acts 11, it's all set up there. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Now, I can't emphasize this enough because the Jews hated the Gentiles. I mean, they just didn't like the Gentiles. They didn't like them at all. In fact, there were some Jewish rabbis who thought that the Gentiles were just the fire that was used for hell. I mean, that was was kind of their whole idea. And yet God was saying, no, 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 no. (laughs) The vision God gave it to Peter. The vision that God gave to Peter Don't call anything impure or unclean that I've created. Peter, I don't want you to miss this. The church has just been all about the Jews, but I'm gonna tell you, the Messiah has come for everybody. And Peter, you've gotta get this. You're a leader. You've gotta love all people. Hey, the call that God gave to Saul, remember in Acts chapter nine when Saul gives his life to Christ and Ananias says, you're gonna take the gospel to the Gentiles. You're going to take the gospel, the call that God gave to Saul. And then look at this, the passion God gave to Barnabas. The passion God gave to Barnabas. Barnabas travels 300 miles, 300 miles to Antioch. Now, they didn't have planes back then, okay? You know, so the dude's walking, right? You think you travel 20 miles a day, 15 days just to get there? I mean, this guy is passionate. This is like the first mission trip. Hey, go up there and check on Antioch. The passion there of Barnabas. And then notice this, the purpose God has given to each of us. The purpose God has given to each of us. And that is to share the love of Christ. Somebody poured into you. Somebody invited you into God's story. Somebody told you about Jesus. And for us to love people, to share Christ, what tends to happen is we can turn in on ourselves. Right? That's what was happening in the early church. You know, they're turning in. It was great. And they got this holy huddle. Everybody's happy in this great fellowship. But God allowed the persecution to come to spread everybody out. God allowed the vision to come to Peter. God allowed the call to come to Saul to say, I love all people. People matter to me. I created people in the image of God. So for us, not to miss that because that's what's happening here. Second thing is this. God's desire is for people to know Jesus. God's desire is for people to know Jesus. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak, notice that, to the Greeks, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. They talked about Jesus. People told others about Jesus. People told others about Jesus. Sometimes we go, well, my faith is private, right? I don't like to really talk about my faith. It's just, that's not Christianity. <laughs> Christianity is about us telling people about Jesus. Let me tell you about the hope that I have in Christ. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. 
I've messed up, but Jesus has redeemed me. Jesus has forgiven me, and he wants to do that for you. He loves you. I've been convicted lately uh, in this area. I feel like I've talked more about COVID than I have about Jesus, you know? I feel like, you know, and at home, you know, I'm like, okay, what am I talking to my kids? What am I telling them about it? And it's important to study, it's important to research, but things are changing all the time, and you're going through, and what states are open and not, and what were the rules. But at some point, I got to go, okay, I need to know, I need to be knowledgeable, but I don't need to be consumed over here. I need to be talking about Jesus. I don't need to create more fear and worry and pandemic of loneliness. I need to create more hope and peace and life and joy. I want to be the one to spread Jesus, because the fact is, after COVID, there will be something else. It's just the way the world works. We live in a broken, fallen world. Some of you, you've grown up, and man, you've grown up through, what, Vietnam and Korea and Desert Storm, and you've grown up through H1N1 and swine flu, and I mean, it just goes down the list. There will be something else. And so how we handle this, are we gonna handle it in a way that's gonna bring glory to God? Be smart, be wise, be knowledgeable, but be about Jesus. That's what the church is called to be about. Hey, notice this, Barnabas connected Saul to be a part of what God's doing. If you keep reading there, he goes and he gets Saul and he says, hey, Saul, you're over here in Tarsus, you need to come to Antioch. You know, you need to come over here and join in what God is doing. And I love seeing this because God's called us to be a connectors, right? I want to connect people to Jesus. There's a guy in our church who is kind of a modern-day Barnabas to me. Uh, he's a guy, he was in his 50s. He was, had a health care, you know, was in the healthcare industry, retired in his 50s, did really well, you know, financially and everything else. But he said, you know what? I'm in my 50s, but God's not finished with me. That wasn't my life purpose. It was just all of that. God has given me a heart to connect people to Jesus. And so he's been in our church, right? He's been sitting here at our Franklin campus, you know, and, and these years ago, five or six years ago, and, and we started talking. He's like, God's put on my heart for young men, a young men who can't get jobs, young men who come from broken backgrounds, young men who are even coming out of prison. How do I help them know Jesus and find purpose in their lives? What can I do? And he started praying about it and looking around, and he started an organization called 413 Strong. Philippians chapter four, verse 13, right? For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he takes these young men, he goes through boot camp, he has four classes a year with these guys, and he just pours into them and mentors them. And I want you to hear part of his story today. Watch this. My name is T. Lusk, and I get to serve as the college and young adults pastor at Rolling Hills. Outside of that, I also have the pleasure of serving on the board of 413 Strong. You heard a little bit about that last week, and uh, the Love Everyone Always uh, um, challenge for this, uh, for this past week. Uh, but I'm here today to introduce you to and, and hear a little bit more about 413 Strong uh, with the president, uh, Steve Norris. And uh, Steve, you know, there's lots of folks who, who maybe have heard just a little bit, but we just if you don't mind just telling us a little more about 413. Sure. Uh, we oper operate basically under a, a pretty simple principle, and that is every man deserves an opportunity to become the man God intended, right? The past doesn't matter. Um, and so we, we exist to give men that opportunity, um, to pour into them, to love them, to equip them with the tools they need to get their life back on the right track and start growing into the men that God intended. 
in your perspective, and you've been doing this for a while, you've seen a lot of guys come through, what would be some of the biggest challenges that 413 faces and, and the guys that are, come up, that are a part of it face on a regular basis? You know, it's, um, you know, one of the biggest ones is you know, when the guys come to us, if they really want to make a change in their life and they really want to kind of accelerate towards uh, becoming that man that God intended them, from, them to be, they got to leave behind some of the, their old distractions and some of the things that have caused them to mess up in the past. And for fortunately, um, unfortunately for a lot of the guys, that means leaving behind some family and some friends. I mean, that's a tough decision. It's really hard to tell a guy that you need to leave away, leave alone your family if you want to make progress towards uh, moving more in the direction that God has intended you to do. A lot of them just aren't used to things going well. And so when they, they start following the path that we lay out for them, they start finding success, they start getting uncomfortable. And they start thinking things like, I don't deserve this, or this isn't going to last, and they end up self-sabotaging. They just go back to what they know. Just in current cultural climate right now, what are you guys doing uh, just to address some of the racial tension and, and so forth that, um, that we see in our, in, in our world right now through the program? You know, for us, our program is all about building the man that God intended us to be. And lucky for us, the Bible provides a pretty good blueprint for what that looks like. You know, the Bible calls men to uh, lead, to protect, to provide, to create, to cultivate, and above all else, to love, right? And so 413 Strong, we're all about helping men find their footing and begin that journey, right? And so the men that come to us are starting that journey from a lot of different places. And, and that starting point has a lot to do with things like uh, their skin color and their family structure and some of the life experiences they've had growing up, uh, some of the educational opportunities that they've either had or haven't had, all those are things that are beyond their control. Um, but so, you know, kind of when they come to us, that journey can either, you know, take longer for some men or be harder for some men than from others. Um, but it's not about the length of the journey, right? It's about starting that journey and then never stopping and surrounding yourself with other men that can help you. So it's locking arms. It's, it's going through this journey together, encouraging each other, loving each other, uh, knowing what we're working towards because the Bible's laid it out for us. And it's hard, right? But in the end, it's worth it because stronger men means stronger families and stronger families means a stronger community. One of the greatest blessings is just to really hear your heart. And obviously that's come out here in, in just our conversation. But if you just had to kind of package that up and say, this is my dream for 413 Strong, um, how, how would you put that to words? I mean, every man that comes here, whether, whether it's a guy going through the program or a man who's volunteering, to know that, that God loves him, that there is a plan for him, that they accept the model of manhood that Jesus laid down for us, and that they just never stop growing. As people are watching today, if you said, hey, this is one way that you could get involved. You know, they had an opportunity last week with uh, Love Everyone Always, but what, what could you, would you say right now is the greatest need that we have um, for people to get involved? Just show up. Right? It's, it's be a part of this journey that these guys are going on, um, whether it's being a part of a, one of the small groups that we're doing uh, during the week, or it's uh, the Bible study on Friday, it's an adventure on Saturday, um, or we make something up come out and be with us um, because the men going through the program just need to be surrounded by other men um, and they need to have that example in their life of what a real man is. You know, I love that. I mean, that's a ministry partner for us in Rolling Hills. When we give our tithes and our offerings, we're investing in these young men. And Steve has been mentoring hundreds of these guys that are just coming through and, and changing the trajectory of their life. And, and I'm just so thankful that Steve didn't just go, you know what, I, I can retire at 50 and, and I can just kind of live for the things of the world. He said, no, God, you're not finished with me. 
God, you still have a plan and a purpose for me. And God, how can I connect others to Jesus? And, and I want us to just be about that. Connecting others to Jesus starts at home. You're a parent, you're a grandparent. That's where we start. How do I point my kids to Jesus? How do I talk more about Jesus? How do I encourage them to jump into VBS or, or family ministry online? Or how do I help them be a part of what God's doing? But I want to raise them up. I want to start there and then continue on, continue on. Hey, will you connect others to Jesus? <laughs> will you and I be people like Barnabas? Will you and I just look around and say, God, how can you use me in the sphere of influence once you placed me? And then look at this one. Do people see your life and call you a Christian? Do people see your life and call you a Christian? In this verse right here that we talked about just for a moment, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That, God, that is so powerful. Just notice this first. See, the word Christian wasn't used in the New Testament before this. It has never been used before Acts 11. And what's interesting is Christian means little Christ. And Christ means Messiah. So they're looking at the people and the way they're living, and they're saying, wait, you guys look like Jesus. You're talking about Jesus, but you're living it out. You're a person of faith. You're a person of, 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 of promise. You're a person of hope. You're a person of purpose. There's something different about you. And what I love, too, is this. The people were called Christians by outsiders. You know, Jesus called his followers, right? Followers called disciples, children, you know. I mean, the church called one another brothers and sisters, uh, saints, servants of Christ. But it was outsiders who come along in Acts 11, and they look at what's happening there in Antioch, and they see the church growing, and they go, you guys are Christians. You're Christians. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hey, Barnabas, Saul, and the church lived out their faith. And that's what we're called to do, to live it out every day, that our walk equals our talk. Does your life look like Jesus? You know, St. Francis of Assisi said this. He said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. <laughs> I love that. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. You know, that our life is a living testimony. Our life is a sermon. Our life communicates what we truly believe. Make your life purpose to invest in others. When you start thinking about it, make your life others to invest, that word invest, in others. The disciples, as each one was able, not equal gifts, equal sacrifices, each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters, that's what they called each other in the church, living in Judea, so that's the early church. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So you see Barnabas and Saul, and you're going to see this pair take the gospel, but they took an offering to help out because there was going to be a famine. Hey, we've been blessed. We want to help others. Barnabas going. Barnabas going. Uh, guys, I think this is like Barnabas, you know, the very first mission trip we see in the Bible. 300 miles, head up to Antioch. Go up there and see what God's doing. And this has kind of been a challenging week for me, I got to be honest, because um, I'm supposed to be in Moldova right now. <laughs> For 17 years, 17 years, this week, I've been in Moldova. Uh, I've been over there in the, you know, poorest country in the former Soviet Union and, and over there in the smallest area working with orphans, with our church. Uh, we went the very first year we started as a church. 
Uh, we took a group of 15 people and we, we went to Moldova and we just fell love in these orphans and these orphanages and, and just to see the need. And it's weird for me to be home this week. I'm sad. I, I miss it. I miss our kids over there. I miss the people over there. But what I've also thought about this week is this. As a church, you know, and you've been giving, going, serving, um, and we didn't know what was going to happen. And when we went the first time, we didn't know 17 years later COVID would hit and we wouldn't be able to travel and we wouldn't be able to go. But God did. <laughs> and there are kids in the orphanages who started accepting Christ back 17 years ago and 16 and 15 and 14. And you're watching these kids grow up. And now many of them are on our staff. And we have Justice and Mercy International. And we have a staff of 25 full-time people in Moldova. And so while Moldova has COVID and, and all these restrictions in place, our staff over there is going back into the orphanages and taking food and sharing Jesus and talking to families and helping out in villages all over Moldova. And, and they're helping in such a way that the U.S. ambassador to Moldova just emailed and said, I want to be a monthly uh, sponsor to help out with JMI because I'm seeing what's happening through food distribution in Moldova. And God's like, hey, you're not gonna be able to go, right? The church, Rolling Hills, we're not gonna be able to go, but I'm gonna be raising up people who are gonna be in their own country going and serving. And that's what Barnabas went, and the church in Antioch starts to grow, and the church grows so strong there in Antioch, it becomes the place that sends out every mission trip that goes on. Because there were people who stepped up and said, you know what, my life purpose is to invest in others. <laughs> my life others. My life purpose is to make a difference. And Barnabas going, right? The church growing, inviting people. Hey, you can't be here, join in online. I got family that lives in different parts of the country. Hey, join in, watch, be a part. Hey, when you can come back, come back. Let's lock arms together. Everyone giving, making a sacrifice, making a difference, joining together the generosity. And Christians live out their purpose and work together to love others. Guys, when we're all living our purpose together, it's amazing what God does. It's amazing the lives that are impacted. And maybe we can't go to Moldova or the Amazon right now, but we can help out with 413 or the Path Project or Shower Up, or we can help out in our neighborhood, or we can make a difference right where we are when we all say, hey, I want to invest in others. Hey, guys, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We all need somebody to believe in us. We all need somebody to believe in us. You know, they say that's the most powerful impact for somebody coming out of poverty is to have somebody there who will believe in them to help them make that transition and find personal and social success in life. And that's what Barnabas did. He goes up and he encourages the church. He encourages Saul, get involved. That's what Steve's doing with these guys. Can you imagine if we didn't have parents or, or aunts or uncles or pastors or teachers? I mean, we need that. And when we sponsor a child in Moldova or sponsor a pastor or help somebody, somebody is believing in them and somebody is pointing to them and saying to them, listen, God's got a purpose for you. And maybe nobody's ever told you that, but I want you to know that. And I believe in you. We all need somebody to believe in us. We all do. The other day, I was going through some things at home, and, and I found this note, <laughs> this note that my dad wrote to me. 
Uh, my dad gave his life to Christ in his 20s. He didn't grow up really going to church, and um, he was a business and worked in business, did, did well, but, but when he gave his life to Christ in his 20s, man, he just started living for the Lord. <laughs> he became volunteer at church, whatever needed to be done, you know, he was a greeter at the door, he was, he was a deacon, he was on the A6 team, he, he just jumped in and helped, but God just got a hold of his life and changed it. And before, he was like, you know, it was all about money and travel and all these things and success for him. But then it became about how can I connect others to Jesus? How can I point them to Jesus? I remember growing up, you know, I wanted to be like my dad. You know? I was majoring in business, going into business, and then God called me to ministry. And, and when God called us to plant Rolling Hills, uh, I remember Lisa, my wife, she was like, yeah, let's go. She was full of faith, and I was like, uh, are you sure? This is scary. I don't know. I don't have all these questions about how things were going to happen, and my dad wrote me a letter. And he just talked about the call that God had on my life and the, the importance of sharing Christ. And then my dad put this line in. He, he said, you know, Tiger's dad and Elway's dad, that's John Elway played football, you know, we always connected over sports and Tiger Woods' dad. He said, Tiger's dad and Elway's dad could not be any more proud of their sons than I am of you. And I've just held on to that letter. And you know, I've just thought about that, to have somebody who believes in you. My mom and my dad were the first ones to write a check to the church, and they said, you know, you're going to have to rent a place, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be challenging, but we just believe in you. And all the way from Texas, it's like, hey, we're going to pour in and invest. Dads, moms, are we investing in our kids that way? Are we just encouraging them to be all that God's created them to be? Are we investing in our grandkids? Are we investing in kids that we sponsor? Are we investing in people around us and saying, hey, listen, I just want you to know God's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. And I want to tell you today this, 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 this. Listen, I just want to encourage you today. Maybe this COVID time has been really hard, really difficult. Maybe there's a time of grieving in your own heart and life. I mean, you're missing your loved ones. You're missing people that you aren't able to see. I just want to encourage you. Listen, don't give up. You stay strong in the Lord. God's going to bring you through this. I believe in you. You've got a pastor who believes in you. You've got a church that believes in you. You've got a God who believes in you. And you've got a God who created you for a relationship with him. He loves you more than you can dream or even imagine. And I truly believe the rest of your life can be the best of your life. You hold on to him and you be strong and you be faithful. Because God loves you. I want to invite you to pray. I'm just going to invite you to bow your and close your eyes just for a moment. What's God saying to you today? Maybe today God's just saying, you're loved. You're loved. You're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your mistakes. You're defined by Christ. And the hope that we have in Christ and the joy and the peace and the purpose that Christ Jesus alone can bring. Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. You just go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. Redeem me, restore me. 
Maybe today is a day to just be encouraged to reach out. I need to ask somebody for help. I need to call a counselor. I need to put in a prayer request. I need people praying with me, praying for me. Or maybe today God's put somebody on your heart for you to invest in, for you to encourage, for you to invite, for you to tell about Jesus and the hope that you have in Christ. So Father God, here we are, your church, gathered in your name. And in a time in our country, in our world, where, where there's a lot of fear and a lot of worry, Jesus, I pray that you would breathe into us hope. You'd breathe into us joy. You'd breathe into us peace. That we would rise up, that we would set our eyes on you and know the hope that we have in Christ. To know that you haven't forgotten about us. Oh no, Jesus, you are right here with us in the midst of the storm. And that you want to use us for your glory. Give us a desire and a passion to invest in the things that matter to you. To love like you do and to live as Christ followers. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your presence. In the name of Jesus, we dedicate our lives to you. Amen.